welcome to episode five of Best Laid Plans, the podcast where we talk all about planning and planning methods and planners and all things related to planning. I am very excited this morning. I am actually recording this early in the morning. So I don't know, that's kind of fun. Got some planning energy going on right now. Um, We are going to attack some Q&As. You guys sent me lots of amazing questions, and my plan was always to do a Q&A episode approximately every four episodes where I just answer questions. And so you can continue to submit those. You can send them either as comments on my blog, theshoebox.com, T-H-E-S-H-U-B-O-X.com, or just leave me a comment on Instagram, which is at the underscore shoebox or at shoebox underscore plans. So any of those places, I will definitely get your questions. And usually I will respond. um, And I obviously keep a collection of them to feature some of them on the podcast. So thank you so much for sending those in. And you can continue to send those my way. All right. So without too much blathering on, I will go into these questions. All right. Number one is I'd love to hear a minute-by-minute description of when you do your planning, the daily stuff and the longer stuff. I have a feeling some of this is in the early morning, but I'm not sure. Would love all the details, coffee drinking and all. You are correct that coffee is involved in my planning rituals. (laughs) I love coffee and I am addicted to it. So um, I definitely start my day with a cup of black coffee every single day. And I have since I was about... 15 years old. So there's that. So I do plan for the most part in the morning. And I will say that planning is not a one and done sort of ritual. So you can't just say like, oh, I planned for the day, so I'm done. You really need to be looking at your lists and updating them throughout the day. But you're right. There is like that one moment when you sit down and plan out exactly how you're going to use your time that day or that week or that month, depending on what context you're looking at. And I do most of that heavy duty planning, looking at the calendar, choosing tasks type of stuff in the morning. And when I say morning, I typically do get up quite early because I have three kids and really the only time that I have with a functional brain when they are not awake is in the early morning these days, especially pandemic life these days. Anyway, so typically I get up at five and I do set my coffee up the night before. So I sit down with it. And the first thing I do is I look at the day prior. I actually fill in some of those like metrics that I measure. So I always fill in my minutes of screen time from the day before, as well as the steps that I took the day before. So that takes two little checks on my phone. I fill out any habit trackers that I'm keeping, and then I move on to the current day, and I lay out my page. Now, either that's in the Hobonichi layout, um, which is what I used for a very long time, or if I'm using some other system, I'll, I'll do that. Like right now, I am using a bullet journal, so I'm just basically creating a blank spread. And between the hours of, I would say, 5.10 and 5.25 or 5.30, so it takes about 20 minutes, I look at my schedule. I select tasks. I write out the page to reflect what I want to get done on that given day. And basically, we'll have kind of a scaffold for the, for the day done by the end of that 15 to 20 minute period. I also will do a little bit of an email triage, not work email usually, but just personal email to make sure there's no, I don't know, giant fires to be put out. Sometimes actually I will swipe through work email. It kind of depends on what kind of mindset I'm in and what is going on. Certainly if I'm call on call or something, then I will check work email. So yeah, I 
that's pretty much my sort of daily planning ritual. But there are other tasks that are planning adjacent or planning related or part of my weekly or monthly reviews that can be done at other times. For example, my meal planning and workout planning and kind of discussion of the week ahead with my husband is usually done on the weekends. Usually physical inbox emptying is done on the weekends or sorting through the mail. But I will say the early morning does seem to be the best time for that list making, reviewing of tasks, selecting of tasks for the day, figuring out if I need to, you know, create a time block of focused work that always happens in the morning. So I hope that helps. Oh, and I will say on Mondays, it takes longer because I'm creating a plan for the week and that's more like 45 minutes. And uh, the rest of the week, it really just takes about 15 to 20 minutes. And I do feel that, I mean, that's not a negligible amount of time, but I feel it pays off by really giving me the insight into what I want to get done that day, keeps me much more focused, and I'm more likely to actually achieve the goals when I set them out um, intentionally. So it is a valuable ritual for me, even though it does take some time. The rest of my morning routine, if you're curious, I usually write a blog post. I've been blogging every single day during the pandemic. So that's been kind of just a new, not new, I've been blogging since 2004, but I didn't always blog every single day. But lately it's been a nice anchor. And then I usually do my workout. And then by the end of that, my kids are usually up and then everything's crazy. So yeah. All right. So that was question number one. We're going to move on to question number two somebody wrote to me on Instagram. My main question is how to make planning a habit. I'm really good about using it on some days and then just fall off the wagon for days at a time. I'm also really intrigued by time blocking, but have never found a good way to make it work for me. So kind of uh, related to the answer to the last question, I think the key of making planning a habit is to select some times and stick to them. So essentially, I'm telling you to plan your planning which sounds slightly ridiculous, but it actually could be helpful to some. And even though I don't actually put an entry in my planner for when I'm going to plan, I have in my head when I'm going to do it. So if you don't yet have in your head because you haven't built that ritual, it may be something that you actually want to write down. 6 a.m. to 6.15 or 11 a.m. to 11.30, spend time creating task lists, spend time planning out week. You may want to put in a weekly review into your work week if you can. I know not everybody has this luxury depending on your career, but if you do have some control over your schedule, I know a lot of people will actually build in a planning ritual. And if it's there on your calendar, then you're much, much more likely to do it. So I would say the best way to make planning a habit is to actually schedule it in and think about where it fits into your life. I also uh, wanted to comment on the time blocking mentioned. So time blocking gets a lot of press right now. I feel like everyone's talking about it like it's some new technique and it's been around for, for a while, but I do feel like it's been popularized. I guess I have two things to say. Number one, the idea of time blocking your entire day, I'm not as much of a fan of. If you have a lot of rituals, then you don't necessarily need to time block. Like if you have your morning routine down and you know what you like to do, then I guess you could put in your planner a morning routine, but I don't know if that's really all that meaningful. For me, time blocking is useful when I know I have some unstructured time. Like I know I'd have, let's say from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. when I don't have any meetings or patients scheduled. And if I don't make an effort, that time might get frittered away by like, oh, email check. Oh, what should I do? Oh, and I get dragged into this or that. And that's not usually a very productive way to work. Instead, if I, the morning of, before everything gets crazy, I think about, okay, from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m., I have a two-hour block of time. 
During that time, I am going to keep my email closed and I'm going to complete XYZ project. Like I actually do have something like that this week. I have a big report to the ACGME due. That's the governing body of residency programs. And every year you have to report various things on this very archaic and slow website. Anyway, sorry, digression. And I know I have to get that. Well, it's not due by this week, but because I don't like time pressure of deadlines, I want to get it done by the end of this week. So I'm already thinking about, okay, on Wednesday, I know I have from one to three and I want to spend that time completing sections A and B of that project. So I think the more specific you are about the use of the time blocks you have, the better and more successful it is. I know that's true for me. And I also, I guess I would say, give yourself some grace, let go of the idea that you need every minute to be, quote, time blocked. I mean, sometimes time blocking is done for us, right? Like if you're a teacher, you're in the school teaching from whatever to whatever. So you don't have to, quote, time block it. When I'm seeing patients, my time is blocked. Like I know I'm seeing patients from 8.30 to to noon and then 1 to 5.30 or whatever it is. So there's not really that much benefit to building a time block. Um, I think same thing if you have, let's say you're a stay-at-home parent and you have some rituals and rhythms that really fit. I don't know if time blocking is always necessary, although I could see where it would fit into the more unstructured periods of the day. I do have a guest in mine who is a big time blocking expert that I'm hoping to get for the fall. So I'll just leave that little teaser there and we'll, we'll see. We'll see if it pans out. All right. Question number three. I would love to hear how you successfully pick a planner and stick with it. <laughs> okay. Well, the reason I laughed, um, actually, there's the re- let me read the rest of the question. She wrote, I have major issues with this and very rarely make it through the entire year in one planner. Part of this is because I work in a school, so I go back and forth between wanting to have the dates for the upcoming academic year and calendar year, depending on what month it is. I wonder if it's more like, well, the school year feels like a new beginning, but then it's also, you know, January wants to be a new beginning too. So it's probably tempting at both those time periods for you because those both feel like starts of the year and you like to kind of have the whole dates going forward. I guess first I would say maybe that's okay. Maybe you're a two planner a year kind of person. Maybe you like those two fresh starts. I mean, if it's not breaking the bank, maybe maybe that's cool. I will admit that during this pandemic period, I have gone through two Hobonichi cousins, one full focus planner, one live rich planner, although I really bought that mostly for review purposes <laughs> or so to speak, a Jibun Teco and a bullet journal, Techo, sorry. And that's a lot of planners. So Normally, that is not what I do. I usually have been sticking with the Hobonichi cousin, like faithfully, and I usually start one book in January and finish it in December, and I'm pretty good about that. But if you find that this crazy year of 2020, you are not able to stick to just one thing because you keep switching to see what fits your kind of new life, I think that's okay. And I will mention that compared to many other things you could be blowing money on, If your to-do list is anything like mine, it often takes on a life of its own. I'm Eric Fisher, host of the Beyond the To-Do List podcast, and each week I talk with productivity experts, authors, and creatives as they share their insights on how to live life beyond the to-do list. People like Phil Rosenthal of Everybody Loves Raymond and Somebody Feed Phil about creativity, family, food, and travel, productivity expert David Allen on getting things done, and Whole30 founder Melissa Urban on setting boundaries in your personal and professional life. Find a great new episode each week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is sponsored in part by Factor. Factor is sponsoring this episode with an awesome discount code, 
PLANS50 to give you 50% off your first month and 20% off the next. Trying out our sponsors helps keep the show going, and I think this is a wonderful time to give it a try, given that it's always a busy season. Factor offers no prep and no mess meals that are tailored to your wellness goals. They offer multiple options from protein plus to plant-based to keto and many more. No matter what your health goals are, you can keep kitchen time to a minimum while enjoying healthy and delicious meals with premium ingredients with Factor. You can get started feeling great and fueling well now by giving them a try. Head to factormeals.com plans50 and use code plans50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code plans50, P-L-A-N-S 50 at factormeals.com plans50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Jenny Kane. I love Jenny Kane, and I hope you love shopping there to support the show. When you do, visit JennyKane.com and use code PLANS for 15% off your first order. We are now well into spring, and there's no better time to shop for beautiful cotton sweaters that can take us right into the next season. And definitely take a look at their dresses. They have so many pretty ones. I'm obsessed with the day dress. It's so classic and versatile. Plus, everything in their collection is designed so intentionally that you can style pieces together without a second thought. All of their sweaters and tops pair with jeans, work pants, and more, and can be styled to fit practically any occasion. Find your new spring uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code PLANS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com. Promo code PLANS. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Planner money goes fairly far compared to like shoes or fancy handbags or something like that. So if it makes you happy and you're, you know, experimenting with different things and it works for you, then I'm just going to give you permission to do that. I'm giving myself permission. Although I'm hoping that for 2021, I can pretty much stick into one system other than what I'm testing things out for this wonderful podcast. All right, next question. This one's kind of funny. Whenever I see your planner pages, I always think, how does she know how clearly what her day was going to entail in advance? I mean, when I see your beautiful to-do lists, boxes, etc., it always looks so perfect and neat. I feel like my day planner is always a mess of scratches and ideas. Then other stuff comes up. I need to move or erase stuff, etc. I feel like the only way I could get it to look like it would be to fill it all in after the fact and the day was done. And then she wrote, Not even sure how this question could be addressed exactly, but just wondering if you have some sort of scratch paper or idea center where you first brainstorm and then add to your planner or something. Someone else also asked me if I wrote out things in pencil first. No, there is no drafting that happens as I am creating my planner pages because I am a functional planner. And even though I do like things to look neat and pretty, I also really just like to get on with my day. So I don't want to make 15 minutes or 20 minutes turn into 40 minutes because I'm writing my whole layout out twice. I guess I would just say that I do tend to use planners with a lot of space. So there can be a lot of blank areas as I'm first creating. And I do usually write out like, so actually, since it is morning and I did just do my planning, I can tell you how I wrote out my scaffold for the day. And it's a Monday as I'm recording this. So I wrote out, you know, the events of the day. I don't see those changing. I mean, I guess maybe some of this is the nature of the job, but I know that I have, you know, an early meeting and then I have patience. So that's going to happen, whether it does or not. And then I created a to-do list. I did leave some extra space because especially since I'm coming back from work, it would be easy to add more to-dos here without making the page look crazy or cluttered. 
I have an area for my meals, which is, you know, not really going to change. I have an area that's completely blank where I fill in stuff I've listened or read or stuff like that. And then I have a little gratitude section. So, you know, and there's plenty of blank space for me to add extra to-dos or extra reminders. Um, But I'll also say that my daily page is not typically where I'm going to add things to do in the future because I'm not going to refer back to this random like August 16th page when I'm creating my weekly review list. So maybe that's the key. Maybe this person writing in is writing like to-dos that are for the future onto her daily page and that's why it's becoming cluttered. I'm not sure. But I I have a question later in this um, episode on capturing and I think that kind of addresses, you know, what do you do with those random things that come up that you want to do later? And I guess my answer is unless I'm doing them that day, they're not going to go on my page. So yeah, I mean, I do on my calendar of sorts, I have stuff that gets canceled. People ask how I handle that as well. I don't use whiteout. I usually just write a little arrow underneath and write the word canceled because I feel like that looks neater than crossing things out. And then I still can kind of see, you know, what was there. I also mentioned in a prior episode that, you know, for things that are feel really uncertain, like maybe, you know, we still have a trip that we theoretically could take, although we're in the process of canceling in December. And so like that went in my planner in with a post-it tape so that <laughs> that was be easily removable and wouldn't, you know, bother me if I saw it there later on. I kind of learned my lesson about that in spring of 2020, as did many others. So, you know, there's different ways to do things. I do think that the more you practice with what layouts fit your day and your personality, and the more you figure out where you need to leave space, the neater it's going to get. And generally, just the more you practice planning. Um, I look at some older planners of mine and they're not as aesthetically pleasing. And, you know, maybe that's not important to you. It's totally fine if it's not. I think that if chicken scratch, as she describes it, works, um, that's fantastic. For me, I don't really enjoy it when things look super messy and having a day that looks neat on paper somehow helps me think a little bit clearer about how I'm using that time but there is no one right way. So I would also say that if your planner pages don't look like they are, you know, perfectly even and lined up and you know, if there are crossouts and stuff, that's okay. So again, once again, I'm giving you permission to do whatever works for you. Okay. Next question from Sam. How do you coordinate planning with Josh? Do you assign any tasks to him somewhere? How do you stay on the same wavelength for personal life planning? So if anyone is familiar with the four Gretchen Rubin, four tendencies, um, you know, she talks about how people respond to various expectations. An upholder responds very easily to both inner and outer expectations. A questioner is really guided by inner expectations. An obliger is guided by outer expectations. And a rebel really doesn't like any expectations imposed on them at all. Anyway, this is a total digression. But the reason I mentioned this is that my husband is a classic four tendencies questioner. So if I try to assign him tasks, it doesn't really work. (laughs) So instead, it's more about us reviewing what needs to happen and in some cases explaining why I feel he is the best person to do X, Y, or Z. For example, my daughter has to get an eye appointment and I have categorically told him that I do not want to take her because she really hates eye drops. And I just feel like he is more suited to the task of experiencing that fun. So for things like that, I just talk to him and I'll probably 
we'll see. Maybe he'll hear this episode and I won't have to remind him at all, but I'll actually probably make the appointment and then I'll tell him when it is and then, you know, he'll be on it. So, you know, we don't have, I certainly don't give him assignments and we actually have moved a little bit away from having regular planning date nights, mostly because we haven't had any date nights because we have no nighttime childcare anymore. So I don't feel like we have a super regular way of doing this, but I will say we do have a shared Google calendar and that is very helpful. If I know that I need him to come to some certain event or that I know that he will want to be involved in a certain event, like let's say it's a, you know, a teacher meeting that we'd both want to be present at, then I will make sure to send an invite to his shared Google calendar so he sees that and so it goes onto his calendar. So I guess my short answer is I don't have this perfectly done. His organization systems are a little different than mine and he's kind of always working on refining them, although I think he manages to get a lot done despite that because everybody's styles are different. I do think that when we had more going on logistically, when the kids had more activities, when we were traveling, the regular date nights where we would talk about both sort of financial planning things as well as kind of life routine planning things or events coming up were helpful. So someday when life is back to normal, if life is ever back to normal, we may get back to something like that. Okay. And then finally, we have a deep dive question. And when I say deep dive question, this is a question that I had part of an answer to, but I also wanted to crowdsource some more ideas. So I did that through the blog and I thought this was a great question. So here we go. Where and how do you document the to-dos that occur at inopportune times, like when you're brushing your teeth? Okay, so I got a lot of great ideas about this on the blog. And first, I'll give you my ideas. I use Apple Notes because I usually have my phone with me. And I do have kind of a catch-all note, so I don't have to categorize anything. It's kind of like usually the one that's on top because it's the most used, and it's titled On The Go. And this works because I do empty out that on-the-go note on a daily or at least weekly basis. If you're not going to empty out your note in a routine basis, this is not going to work because things are going to get lost. But if you have a routine of emptying out your note, then this will work well. The other thing I will sometimes do is send myself an email, especially if the to-do item is an email because then I'll see it when I'm in my email and how convenient is that? Some people do like a notebook, notepad by their bed, like a little field notes book or just a little tablet. That certainly can work. One of my readers, Leah, shared a creative Trello and Apple Watch solution. I'm going to read her note here. She says, I use Trello to track tasks. Most of the time, I can add to my list directly as I have my phone or computer near me. But there are times the kids or my husband ask me something and I'm just not ready to add it to the task list. It always happens when I'm making dinner or something comes to mind when I'm relaxing and don't have screens anywhere near me on purpose. I struggle with what to do about these tasks and finally found something that works for me. I use my Apple Watch and Siri to add reminders, and I configure the app ITTT, I guess that's an Apple Watch app, to automatically add those reminders to my Trello lists instead of the Apple iOS reminder lists. Those are the ones that I use. I add to one of my four task inboxes by saying, hey Siri, add a reminder to my Instacart list to get paper towels. I have my watch on me always, even when I'm exercising, reading, or trying to get dinner on the table. I keep an Instacart list for groceries, a today list for tasks that are urgent, inbox lists for tasks that don't need to be taken care of today, and work lists for career items. I triage the inbox, Instacart, and work list during my weekly review and triage the today list during my afternoon and PM routine. 
I love this answer. I don't personally use Trello, but I just think that sounds like a very streamlined approach. And I love that she mentioned when she was going to look at the lists. Because again, you can you know make all the lists you want, but if you don't have a built-in routine or way to look at these lists, then it's not going to be very helpful. She has a very specific way that she will triage the lists at predetermined times. So that sounds like it would work beautifully. Another blog reader, Jess, shared that she uses push notification methods. She says she either adds it to her calendar with a phone notification so that her phone will actually let her know, hey, it's time to do X, Y, Z. And she does that with Google Calendar on her phone because she uses it on both her phone and computer. She also says that sometimes she will, if someone asks her to do something, so someone tries to delegate something to her and she don't have time right then, she asks them to text her and she purposely doesn't open the text until she has time. I love that method as well. I have definitely asked people to email me. I haven't usually asked them to text me, but that would work. Chelsea, another blog reader, notes that she looks to Lisa Woodruff's 24-hour rule for interesting things you can run across that don't actually have to happen. So what she's saying is maybe you don't need to add everything you come across to your list. Maybe there are ways of keeping your lists fairly streamlined. She says the rule is if you aren't going to actually do the thing in the next 24 hours, just discard it. If you aren't actually going to make that recipe in the next 24 hours, just toss it. I kind of like that because the truth is, if it's that important or that exciting, you will think of it again and you'll be able to search for it. And the internet is amazing in that way. You'll probably be able to find what you're looking for. Lisa Woodruff, who created that rule, is the creator of Organize 365. I mentioned that on another podcast. And yes, she has already volunteered to be a guest on this show. So we will get to hear from Lisa personally on a future episode. Finally, there was a recommendation for the Todoist app, which includes an Alexa feature. So this is kind of similar to Leah's, hey Siri, add to my Trello list. You could say, hey Alexa, add to my Todoist list. So if you have the Alexa going in your home, which we do not for various reasons, but if you do, then this would be a way to capture tasks on the go. Okay. So this has been our first Q&A episode, and I am very excited. I think this is a good length, about 20, 25 minutes. And there's just enough time for our love of the week. My love of the week this week are Jet Pens videos. I'm kind of shocked I haven't discovered them sooner. They've been around for a few years, but I was searching for best pens to use in the Hobonichi because even though I've been using Hobonichis for a very long time, I'm still not at peace with the pen situation in that particular planner. And you know what? There was like an amazing video on pens and tools to use with the Hobonichi. And then I saw that there were like 50 amazing videos and all of them make me want to buy everything. So they're very dangerous, but they're, they're really quite captivating. And if you enjoy stationary supplies, especially stationary supplies from Japan, you will want to check out these videos. Remember that you can always find the show notes on my blog. Just click on the little icon, Best Laid Plans, on the homepage, and that will take you to a list of all the episodes. Um, And if you scroll down, you'll have a link to more detailed show notes. And I think I'm going to be adding some product links there as well so you can easily find what you are looking for. So again, my blog where you can find all that is theshoebox.com, T-H-E-S-H-U-B-O-X.com. And you can find me on Insta at shoebox underscore plans or the underscore shoebox. And I'm happy to take any future Q&A submissions on either of those platforms. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you soon. 
This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM. Women's voices amplified.